0: It's got a soul. This here old farm. It falls asleep inside my arms. We walk the fields under the stars. But love is here at Goldshaw Farms. Welcome to Goldshaw Farm. I'm your host, Morgan Gold. On each episode of our podcast. We bring you stories of people who are homesteading, farming, and chasing their dreams. And (laughs) just as I was about to hit record to to record the intro for this podcast, I I could hear out my window just coyotes going absolutely nuts. It it actually kind of sounded a little something like this. The, the coyotes are, have been out in full force lately, uh, you know, I told you the story of the bobcats in the last episode, but, uh, yeah, coyotes are also out here, and, uh, I don't know, definitely feels like winter's in the air, you know, I, I was rushing home this afternoon after doing some errands away from the farm to get home before it turned dark, um, I needed to get the ducks and the geese and the chickens inside because, uh, it gets dark early out here, and we got a lot of predator action right now. <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy. I'll, I'll I'll tell you uh, one thing we're going to be doing about it all uh, at the end of this episode. But uh, really, today, what I wanted to talk to you guys about is uh, you know having different skills uh, because right now, as as I'm getting ready, I feel I'm feeling pretty good about where things are at here on the farm and in terms of being ready for winter. Uh, we got the wood stacked and put up. We've got animal shelters built and ready for the cold weather. We've got hay stored. We've got feed stored. We've got um, most of the junk I have scattered around the pasture picked up and ready for our first major snowfall. Um, And and, in the preparations and getting ready for winter, it was kind of nuts because it very much required... uh, Oh, golly, I don't know how to put it. It required a lot of um, skills, you know, like a variety. I had to be sort of a handyman. I had to be able to navigate chores. I had to be able to build things. I had to be able to fix things. The ATV was kind of finicky, and I had to do some repairs there, which not usually my natural state. But it's actually one of the things I love the most about life here on the farm and and what I have to do every day here on the farm is sort of that diversity of skills that's required. Um, My guest today is is a guy who's got a crazy amount of skills. Uh, Josh Draper, or some of you guys might know him as the Stony Ridge Farmer, He is a guy who, you know, he was in the Air Force for a while and as a veteran, he's out in Saudi Arabia, he's had jobs as a handyman and a registered nurse, and he's just got a crazy number of skills. Like, he's the type of guy you could, like, call up and say, hey, Josh, have you got any ideas on how I could do this or how I could, you know, put up this fence or, you know, what should I do about this chicken waterer or my, my tractor's doing this funky thing? He's like the type of guy that you could reach out to and he would have some sort of answer or idea for how you could tackle any of those problems. And uh, he's a really nice guy to boot. You know, I was down a couple weeks ago, as you guys know, at the Homesteaders of America conference. And while I was there, I, I had the opportunity to sit down with Josh and really needed to sit down. Because if you guys have never met Josh in person, you should really know that he is just massive. Just a big, big dude um but he is the friendliest guy in the world and so i had i had the chance to sit down with josh and learn more about him and and his story and so that is the focus of today's episode
1: I grew up in a small town called Martinsville, Virginia. It's a NASCAR town, I guess. Uh, we grew up in a in a place, the area is called Horse Pasture, Virginia. And did you grow up on a horse pasture, or were you <laughs> in suburbia? Like, what was it like? So, where we grew up, uh, my we grew up on my grandfather's farm, and Grandpa had two farms. One was about 350 acres, the other one was about 360 acres, and he kept his brood cows on one side and his... <sighs> beef cows on the other side so in other words he ran a cow calf type operation and he just did it as a hobby and growing up on the farm there I, my dad always had something going on we had a huge garden about two three acre garden we had a you pick it kind of thing so people would come out on the weekends and pick their vegetables and so i did grow up in a in a farm atmosphere when we wanted chicken for dinner josh went to the barn and got a chicken so fresh food <laughs> and as a kid growing up that way
0: did you always want to live on the farm or did you have other plans
1: so growing up that way I, I never knew anything different um, unfortunately my parents split up at uh, when I was age 13 and uh, it was kind of a free-for-all so we moved off of the farm my mother and my sister and, and me moved off the farm and my dad stayed there because it was his family land And we uh, basically kind of got away from living like that for a long, long time. And uh, I never really was into agriculture or horses or forestry or chickens or cows. It just kind of all ended right then and there, even though I was raised... To live off the land. I mean, we grew up. I, I tell everybody, reason I'm, I'm six foot five, 275 pounds, and I tell everybody I was raised on squirrel and deer meat. You know, so that's that's just kind of how I grew up. It was a very sheltered, uh, very peaceful way of living uh, that I just had no idea that I had something that special, and it got left behind when I was 13 years old, and.
0: Like, what, what was it, like, tell me the day that you, as an adult, sort of had that rekindled and you said, no, I want to get back to this.
1: So, I started a, uh, I started off and I lived in, a, in the city. I lived right smack downtown uh, in Greensboro, North Carolina, which isn't a very big city, but I lived downtown amongst the tall buildings, and uh, I, I started seeking out a new home, a, a home for myself, a little, a small home with a small lot, with a yard and as soon as i got on that that spot as soon as i bought my home uh, we had a bunch of trees and a bunch of briars and roots and mess in the back and uh, i started cleaning it up and, and realizing that nothing would grow in that soil uh, not even grass so i bought a tiller and i thought well maybe if i till it up something will grow and it was—it all started with trying to have a lawn and i tilled up the garden and I. Brought in some soil uh, from an outside source, and I planted my first garden that year, and that was enough to have several cannings, and and uh, I got interested in gardening. I got my hands back in the soil once I bought my little one-third of an acre piece of property.
0: But you know, your one-third of an acre turned into you know, 20 or 40 acres. Yeah. So, like, so how do you upgrade from there?
1: Stressfully, so, <laughs> so we went from a third of an acre uh, in, in town and we started an urban farm uh, in the city. We, we raised all sorts of- Commercially? Dirt, uh, like commercially, I was selling vegetables. I say commercially, commercially means I was selling. Uh, I was selling eggs uh, to neighbors. We had about 15 or 20 chickens and I had a surplus of probably six or eight dozen eggs per week so I sold eggs to neighbors I put a table out front I called the local city I was like what are the restrictions on uh, selling produce and they said well there are no restrictions in the city on selling produce in your front yard so I set a table out with a scale on it and put fresh tomatoes and squash and zucchini and and cucumbers and whatever I could grow out on the table and put it on the honor system and people just came and weighed their food and, and bought it and it was organic and simple and easy and delicious. So I started feeding an entire neighborhood on a garden spot of about 30 by 60. Uh, then we bought honeybees. I, I heard a little bit about the collapse of the honeybees and I got to thinking one day out in my backyard and it's like, I don't see many bees anymore. So I took a class with the, with the local beekeeping association and uh, at the local agricultural center and started keeping bees. And then I had like 15 honeybee stands on the on a third of an acre, which is stressful for neighbors. <laughs> so no matter any time they went out to paint something white, if you go paint something white near a honeybee hive, the bees are gonna get in the paint. So that was not good. <laughs> it uh, The transition, the long-term transition from a third of an acre over to what started as 60 acres, which is absolutely overwhelming, to three days after we bought our land, our first 60 acres, um, the land across the road came for sale and it was another 90 acres and it was across a dirt road from where we were so we made them an offer and we bought that and then we bought another 40 something acres on top of that so rounding off the numbers it came came out to about 190 something acres Uh, so we rounded up to 200. Wow and now
0: when you have land like that much land right what's what's the biggest challenge with trying to manage and maintain something like that?
1: Well, when we bought our land, we did not have uh, good pastures. We we had poor soil. We didn't have a lot of cleared land. So on that entire uh, 200 acres, I'm gonna say we had 17 acres of cleared land, and that was covered with brush and p- little pine saplings. And so it's it's maintaining the land was very different than building something out of the land so in other words we took what what you would be driving down the side of the highway looking out at like a, a mess of just brush and cedar trees and stuff growing what you see driving down the road a typical person sees is a mess is what we bought so it's it's just been a, a huge chore i mean countless countless hours of clearing and 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 replenishing the soil and and also trying to feed the family off the land too trying to feed it's just me and my wife right now Uh, so trying to feed the family raise a garden learn along the way and then i started a youtube channel (laughs) which (laughs) seemed to work
0: that's awesome as as you you talk to people i think i feel like one of the questions i get is like what's the perfect amount of land yeah like how do you answer a question like that when you get it
1: uh, it depends on what you want to do. If you want a ranch, a cattle ranch, then the perfect amount of land might be a 1,000 acres. Uh, if you want a, a small homestead, you know, the perfect amount of land could be two acres, one acre, three acres. Uh, it just depends on how much you want to dedicate yourself to it and, and what scale uh, you want to use. So scale-wise, when we went from a third of an acre to 200 acres, you can imagine the amount of money you can spend in in the city in an urban environment on your lawn just on your lawn per year what 1500 bucks or something like that now multiply that by the 200 acre and it's just a huge time and money uh, vacuum uh, getting it right but the goal is that what we're doing is, is setting everything up to where it'll be low maintenance i'm 42 years old I'm gonna blink and I'm gonna be 60 and I'm gonna blink again and I'm gonna be 80 and I want to be able to pass on something to the next generation uh, in my family that that's gonna be self-sustaining so what I'm doing right now is busting my butt for my grandkids mm, That's awesome. now for you and your
0: wife how much of your food are you guys growing yourselves these days
1: I would say probably 40% right now and if we really buckled down and um, my wife is is a city girl I mean she's a city girl she doesn't she doesn't can and and she doesn't do a whole lot of cooking and stuff like that she kind of grew up in in the city I'm not in the, you know in the suburbs I guess I'll give you a funny story here so I went for uh, Thanksgiving dinner at my mom's I mean at my wife's mom's place and she grabbed two bags of frozen vegetables in the bag and threw them in the microwave, and that was our vegetables <laughs> for Thanksgiving. And I was like, oh, what have I gotten into? <laughs> Unbelievable. But life's coming along. Uh, I do 99.9% of what goes on on the farm is, is dictated and dedicated by me, and she works her job, and, and my job is uh, making food and sustenance for the family and building a farm. Hmm.
0: So, one of the things in, you know, we're sitting down and talking, we're actually recording this at the Homesteaders of America Conference, Yep. is just how many people are up there passionate for growing their own food and, you know, becoming more self-sufficient. What do you think it's been that's driven the rise and increase of that in the United States these days?
1: I think people are sick and tired of the government controlling every single thing that they eat, every single thing that they do, where they use toilet paper, where they don't, you know what I mean? I think think a lot of it is that some people have figured out that that what the government is telling you to eat may not be the best thing for you and we know that fast food isn't the best thing for us and we we are the people here at the Homesteaders of America conference we're the people that find value in food and family and I think that a lot of people have lost that. You know, the one of the cheapest things that you can go buy and the thing that you think about the least or most people think about the least is their food. What they eat. What you got to think about is that your body is completely comprised of what you eat. So if you ate cheesy puffs for six months straight, your entire body is going to be made of what was in those cheesy puffs. So Think about the garbage you put into your body, and that's what, what the draw is here, is thinking about the garbage that you put in your body and fixing it, trying to fix it. And the, the love of animals and the love of stewardship of the land and the love of stewardship of animals, too. Well, tell me,
0: tell me about sort of that moment, because I feel like I, I had this moment once on my farm where I was out there doing chores, working, and I just sort of stopped and realized, wow, when you lead a life like this, it, it sort of simplifies things. And it, it, it kind of really brings you that connection to your food, brings you the connection to the land, and really the lifestyle that you're leading. Have you had those moments as you were out there working on your farm where you just kind of reflect on how it all fits together?
1: Yeah, every day, every morning. Every time I wake up, every time I walk out the door, I think to myself, what a special place this is, and how lucky and how blessed i am i don't want to say luck because luck is a bad word it's blessed there's a difference in luck and blessed luck is winning the lottery blessed is working hard and achieving the things that you want to achieve taking a big deep uh, deep breath of fresh air and realizing that what you're doing is something that's truly special to you and you want to share it that's where the youtube channel kind of came into effect is that the things that i do that the work that i do is something that's special and that can be shared and be special to other people and teach people. So, What does your daily routine look like um, when you're on the farm? So like this. <laughs> on the farm, daily routine, wake up in the morning, of course, uh, turn the coffee pot on, start drinking my first cup of coffee. Oftentimes, I'll go out on the porch and I'll just sit there and just kind of watch the sun come up a little bit. And uh, think about what I'm gonna do for the day. Sometimes I'll make a list uh, the day before or a weekly, week long list of big projects and small projects that I need to get done. Do I get those projects done? Eh, you know, 60%. <laughs> so there's a chronic, uh, overwhelming list of things that need to be done. But I wake up, I kind of settle in. I wake up, I chill out, take a deep breath, go in, sit down in front of the computer, answer some comments, and, and and converse with with the fans that I have on YouTube and answer questions. I probably, on a typical day, have 50 emails, probably 30 of those emails are fan emails, and I'll try and answer every fan email that I possibly can, and uh, then head out the door and start working. Uh, Hot summer months, I'll work. uh, It might be the opposite of that. I'll get up in the morning, drink a cup of coffee, and, and hit the work, and then come in in the afternoon and handle that. So, typical day is get up. Relax, take a deep breath, get busy, and hit it until the sun goes down, man. Just trying to figure out, you know, projects and and, uh, and what I need to do next, you know, to, to make the farm a success.
0: Are there, are there things on your homestead that you wish you would have done differently as you look back on it at this point?
1: Not at this point. There's nothing that I wish I would have uh, done differently. I sometimes wish I had more time, <laughs> but really there's, there's not a whole lot... Uh, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot about land, about healing land, about water, 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 water. The most important thing on any farm, any piece of property, um, any house is water, just water. Water can damage, water can be a blessing, water can be destructive. Uh, And, you know, over the last two, three years or so, we've had a lot of, I, I don't say global warming, but I do say climate change. There's been a shift in the climate and we, we received, I think we were 12 or 14 inches above uh, the, uh, the record last year on, on rainwater. So I learned a lot about erosion and soil and what holds soil together and what makes grass grow. Which, I mean, it, it, it's amazing to me the amount of time that a man can put into just figuring out how to make grass grow.
0: <laughs> it is amazing. I guess to to wrap things up, for the person who is working in an office job, living in a condo, but dreaming of having their own land and and raising their own food, what would you offer to them as advice?
1: Stop waiting and do it. Just do it. Follow your passion, follow your dream. Don't ask yourself, uh, don't tell yourself, I can't afford it, or I don't have time. Ask yourself, how can I afford it, and how can I have the time to do this? make the time to do it. Uh, I know the in-between soccer practice and taking the kids here and taking the kids there, I think we've lost touch with, you know, the, the value of, of children, the value of young people. Um, and and in turn, we've, we've gotten to a point where we've lost touch with the value of our children because they don't learn any skills until they get out on their own, and then they're confused about things. I, I think having a a life on a farm and a life, um, the, a rural country type life, I think it teaches uh, the whole family responsibility, humility, and it just builds a better person. I think it just, don't wait. Jump on it and build yourself into the person that you want to be.
0: Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Josh. It was it was just great sitting down with him. He is just such a good, nice dude, um, and I really appreciate him taking the time to to do that interview with us. If you want to learn more about Josh and what he's got going on at the Stony Ridge Farm, be sure to check out his YouTube channel, Stony Ridge Farmer. Uh, I will leave a link for that uh, in the show notes of this episode. And if you want to learn more about us here at Goldshaw Farm, be sure to check out our YouTube channel. Uh, we put out two videos a week, and uh, <laughs> I got to say, I, I, after I recorded that intro, I just decided to walk out back and I'm um, sort of out standing in the middle of our dark pasture right now with my gigantic, uh, it's like this crazy DeWalt flashlight thing that, you know, I can use the same battery for this as I power like a circular saw. <laughs> and so it's it's quite powerful and I use it as a spotlight as i come out here to check to make sure all my birds are secure and check to make sure i don't have any coyotes lingering out here and just try to scare them away a little bit um <laughs> you know like i said at the beginning the predator pressure here is getting crazy uh but i guess the new news on our farm and, and i just made a youtube video about this last week is we are getting a puppy a livestock guardian puppy um And that dog, it's going to be a Maremma, is going to be showing up here in a couple of weeks. And I've just kind of finished all the preparations necessary to get ready for the arrival. And ultimately, um, it's going to be used to try to protect my animals and keep some of these predators away. I feel like a big, ferocious dog bark would definitely quell some of the coyote activity I've got going on right now. But there's actually been a reason why I didn't get a dog anytime sooner and you can check out that YouTube video and and learn more about it. Um but I'm I'm really excited. I love dogs. <laughs> it's going to be so cool. So be sure to check that out. And in a big shout out and thank you. I I've gotten a, a number of notes from you guys who who really just enjoyed that last episode with Jill Winger and and yeah, Jill's story and, and kind of how she talks about just really focusing on what's right in front of you and how you can get started. Um, it's motivational. It was motivational for me, and I'm, I'm glad to hear it was motivational for a number of you. Um, I appreciate all of those notes that you guys give me. I know I'm somewhat slow on email response sometimes, but the feedback is always appreciated. and. Uh, Yeah, please keep listening and please keep sharing. It kind of blows my mind when I hear that you guys are out there listening to this podcast while you're doing your chores around your place or gardening or, you know, you're commuting to work every day and dreaming about a life on a homestead or a farm. Uh, It really means a lot to me that you're taking the time to listen. And so with that, I will be back very soon with another episode of the Goldshaw Farm Podcast. Uh, Till then, I will ask my good friend, Mr. Keith Pierce, to play our theme song. Thanks. It's got a soul, this here old farm. It falls asleep inside my arms. We work the fields under the stars. The love is here at Gold Farms. A city life yet yeah, had its charms. But we would dream of the fields under the stars. I fall asleep. It's arms, though love is here at Goldshaw Farms, The love is here at Goldshaw Farms.